Hello, this is Jeff Otis, partner at Evergreen, and you're listening to Coffee with Evergreen on the Evergreen Exchange. I hope you enjoy this 20-minute conversation between myself and Director of Portfolios and fellow Evergreen partner, Jeff Dix. And as always, thanks for listening. Hey, listener, this episode requires an extra disclosure. Jeff Otis is an employee and partner of Evergreen GovCal. All views and opinions expressed by Jeff and any guest of the podcast are solely the individual's views and do not necessarily reflect the views of Evergreen GovCal. Evergreen GovCal's clients may hold securities mentioned in this podcast at any given time. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions or be considered investment advice. Enjoy the episode. All right. Well, Jeff Dix, welcome back to the podcast and good to have you back on. Thank you, Jeff. Good to be here. And this time from New York. How is it out there? Oh, it's nice. I'm, I'm visiting my in-laws. Uh, my wife is from Long Island and moved out to Seattle. So every summer we go out here for a few weeks. It's always it's always fun. I appreciate you spending some time uh, with us from New York, and uh, it's been a couple months now. And I wanted to do a bit of a recap on what's happened in markets, um, what's you know what we're seeing right now in fi- in financial markets, and then also uh, talk a little bit about our outlook from here. So let's start with just kind of a recap, and and maybe start on the equity side with what's what's happened in the last month or two in equity markets. Sure. So maybe I'll I'll start off just on the year. Yeah, obviously, it's been a very challenging year for equity investors. The S&P is down 18%. Uh, international markets are down 20 Emerging markets are down about 20 Small cap equities are down 22 um, The NASDAQ's down almost 27 On the year, um, large cap gross up 28 Values down 9 um, So value stocks have held their value uh, quite a bit better in this inflationary environment. That's actually started to change a little bit, um, which will which I'll which I'll touch on here in a second. Um, but at this point in the year, we're starting to see some some decent value for long term, uh, you know, for for equities on a long term basis. Uh, valuations have come down sharply. Um, the S and P on next year's earnings is trading around 16 times, uh, which we think's uh, pretty reasonable. We're finding, uh, you know, a, quite a few stocks in the 10 to 12. PE range that we think have good business models. Even uh, some of the big tech stocks are now trading under 20 times earnings. A lot of the mega cap, or I should say several of the mega cap tech stocks have actually moved from the growth index to the value index, which to me points um, to that segment looking pretty interesting. Um, with that said, despite you know us seeing long-term value in equities, we actually think we could have a little bit more uh, near-term downside. Uh, so that 20% decline we have seen so far this year has almost entirely been driven by higher interest rates. And what I mean by that is if you actually look on valuations relative to interest rates, they haven't changed that much um, given interest rates have moved up and the multiples moved down, but relative to how far interest rates have moved up, um, you haven't seen that that much of a change. Uh, and what could cause the next leg down, and I do think, you know, we're probably, you know, two-thirds the way through this sell-off, that last leg down could be caused by uh, earnings season this year and really not necessarily Q3 earnings or Q2 earnings, I should say, 
but actually the outlook, uh, and particularly on, you know, next year's profits, profit margins. So, you know, company guidance could cause the next down leg in the market. But we think, you know, during Q3 to uh, or Q4, that could provide a really, really good entry point. And we've been dollar cost averaging along the way. And as you know, Jeff, we progressively buy more on the way down. Um, so later this year, we think we could have a really good opportunity to deploy even more capital into equities. But one thing I wanted to bring up is the shifting environment we've seen. We've definitely moved from more of an inflationary trade to more of a recessionary trade here lately. Um, and actually, the growth value dynamic has shifted as well. You know, one, one area that's gotten hit quite hard lately, which is an area that we've been quite fond of this year, has been energy. Uh, the energy equity sector, the, the XLE, XLE tracks the energy sector in the S&P 500, was up 70% at one point this year. It's since pulled back 25%. Uh, midstream energy securities were up 35%. they have pulled back almost 20 and uh, in addition, you've seen inflation expectations come down, and actually growth over the last two months uh, has outperformed value by 5%. So you've sort of started to see a changing changing environment. But we're, we're cautiously optimistic here, I'd say, and we do think we'll have a, a very good buying opportunity later this year, despite maybe the our outlook that equities could maybe come down another 5%, 10% before, before the worst of it's done. Speaking of market dynamics and shifting, um, I want to talk a little bit about what's happened in the fixed income markets. We obviously manage a lot of fixed income uh, assets for clients and, and have strategies in the fixed income space. But what do you see on the fixed income side? Yeah, so it's you know this year has certainly been interesting. Um, it, it's been one of the biggest wealth destructions ever. Uh, for financial markets. And part of the reason there, and, and that's not just because the equities are down 20, because a lot of times uh, equities can fall much further than that, but it's also because at the same time, bond markets have also corrected sharply. Bonds are off to their worst start in you know over 40 years. Um, the Barclays Ag's down 10%. You have investment-grade corporate bonds down 15. High-yield bonds have held in a little bit better down 12 Preferred equities are down 14% as well, which is a segment of the the income market that we invest in. Probably the most interesting, I'd say, is that investment-grade corporates are down 15. If you had half investment-grade corporates and half the S&P, you'd be down 17% this year. But we think that's you know, provided a, a really a pretty good opportunity uh, for income investors. Um, our bond-only portfolio today uh, carries a gross yield of just over 6%. And if you think about the last decade, that's one of the highest yielding our bond portfolios have been over that time frame. And that's similar to where uh, bond yields were for that portfolio in um, during COVID, during the worst of COVID. Um, so on a forward-looking basis, we're fairly optimistic on income portfolios providing solid risk-adjusted returns. So, so recently, uh, we've been pretty aggressive on buying corporate bonds. And, uh, and I'll just point out one area of the corporate bond market that we're particularly favorable on are double B-rated corporate bonds. And historically, this has been our favorite area of the bond market. We talk about it quite often. Um, today, double Bs yield 6.7%. Uh, and that 
um, compares to high yield that yields about 8.4. Um, so, you know, you're getting a little bit lower yield than the high yield bond market itself. But if you think about the default rates, because, you know, you, you do need to be concerned with default rates and, and default when you're buying credit investments, particularly when you're, when you're diving into the high yield space. Um, but default rates are less than 1% for double Bs. And high yield in general, the average has been, you know, three and a half, four percent over time. Uh, so you're you're getting a comparable yield with about 25 to 30 percent of the the default rate. And what's interesting too is that double B corporate bonds have actually outperformed lower rated high yield bonds over history, and they've uh, also outperformed triple B. Uh, rated bonds and triple B's are the the lowest rating for investment grade. So it's actually been the best performing segment of the corporate bond market over time. Um, and I think there's good reason for that. You know, we look for a couple opportunities in that space. We look for one fallen angels, companies that were rated investment grade and have been downgraded to high yield. When a company is downgraded to high yield, it tends to under underperform significantly because there's four sellers that are only able to own investment grade bonds. Um, in addition, of course, we, we try to find double B's that have credit profiles that are improving. Um, the same thing occurs when, well, the the opposite side is when a double B gets upgraded to a triple B, so it become, goes from high yield to investment grade, you tend to get a nice movement up in price because you get that new marginal buyer that couldn't buy those bonds previously. So if you're able to pick out some double Bs that eventually move up to triple Bs, those bonds tend to outperform. So there's really a, a pretty good reason um, to own that space and a compelling one. And we've been really finding some good values there. If you notice, because it's high quality, high yield, just being in the high yield space in general, investors get shy investing in that space because they, they see it associated with junk and they just stay away. Yeah, I'd say so. And also, I think, you know, a lot of individual investors aren't comfortable buying individual bonds. Um, you know, these aren't exchange traded items. You need to um, they trade over the counter. Also, they, they require some credit work. Um, you know, uh, a few things we look at when we're when we're buying corporate bonds, and of course it varies by industry. But generally speaking, we look at how much debt they have relative to cash flow uh, or relative to equity. Um, we look at interest coverage, so how much cash flow relative to interest payments. Uh, we look at other liabilities on the balance sheet. Uh, you know, a lot of times there might be some lease obligations where that doesn't actually show up in the underlying debt data. Uh, and then, you know, we also look through the earnings call and we look through the his his history of these uh, financials and we, we want to look for companies that have a track record of paying down their debt and companies that on the conference calls are saying debt pay down is a priority. Uh, you know, we, we get a little hesitant when companies are you know, using that excess cash flow to buy back shares or pay excessive dividends, um, you know, and, and if you're hearing management say they're paying down debt and you actually look at the financials, you can kind of see that debt's coming down over time and you're comfortable with the business model. Um, you can kind of get comfortable with the credit situation, even if leverage is, uh, you know, maybe a little bit higher than your investment grade company, maybe leverage is four times, um, you know, debt relative to cash flow, you can see that there's a path to get down to maybe two or three times where that company will be, you know, upgraded to investment grade. Yep. That's good. Those are good insights there. Uh, you touched a little bit on this earlier, but just maybe a, a comment on inflation, where things stand and outlook for inflation from our view. 
Yeah, it's a really good question. I think it's been all over the news lately. Uh, you know, the latest inflation print was higher than expectation. I think it came in at 9.1% versus 8.8. A lot of people thought the last inflation print before that, which was around 8.5, was going to be the peak. Uh, so there has been quite a bit of concern there. But what's, what's interesting is if you look at um, inflation expectations since April, uh, they've come down from 3.05 to 2.4. So this is a, a market-based number that, that basically gives you an idea of what the inflation rate will be over the next 10 years, and that's a 2.4% today. So you've seen the market-based expectation come down sharply, which I think is very important. Um, another factor to point out is that Last month, when the Fed raised 75 basis points, and that was following the previous inflation print, that was perceived as a very negative news item and then reaction by the Fed. But what actually happened was that marked the low in equity prices. So the next day, the markets went up. Um, one thing we watch for kind of closely at Evergreen is when the markets react favorably to bad news, that can be uh, sort of a shift in environment. Also, if you think about where the Fed funds rate was, uh, the expectation for the Fed's fund rate, I should say, for the end of 2022, started this year at 0.8%. In other words, at the start of this year, it was only expected the Fed was going to raise three 25 basis point hikes, or 75 basis points in total. At this point, we're up to 3.5%. Um, so the Fed right now is expected to raise 75 next meeting, which is uh, in about a week and a half. 50 basis points to mean after that, and then two more hikes. But what you've actually seen now is looking out, the Fed's actually expected to cut in 2023. So the market is sort of telling us that we may be in the midst of peak inflation expectations. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean inflation's actual CPI month over month is going to peak right away, but I think you know, if you look out to next year, that could be good news for markets. Um, you know, near term, we still think we're going to be in a choppy environment where the Fed's raising interest rates. But if we get into that environment where that Fed funds rate peaks out, you could, and inflation actually, actual inflation numbers start to come in lower year over year, and you're starting to see that trajectory of even lower uh, inflation numbers in 2023, that could give cover to the Fed where they no longer have to raise interest rates, which would provide, um, I think, a, a sort of a floor to equity valuations. Uh, so that could, that could position us, and I think it will position us for a much better 2023, especially relative to, say, the first half of 2022. Got it. Maybe a final word on just kind of outlook in general for equities, uh, economy, et cetera. Yeah, you know, near term, we certainly think, you know, I mean, recessions thrown out there a lot. And I think, you know, the yes, no answer to the question on are we going to go into recessions may be a little bit too simplistic. Uh, certainly, we think we could tip into a recession, whether that's the official mark of two negative GDP prints in a row negative real GDP, real GDP after inflation prints in a row. Uh, the NBER also has kind of an inflation in measure as well. I think the more important question, is it going to be a shallow, short-lived recession or, you know, more of a, a deep recession where spending really slows, unemployment goes up significantly? My feeling is it's going to be one of a more of a short-lived recession. 
And I think we could be positioned pretty well coming out of that. Uh, you know, one, consumer and corporate balance sheets are in really good shape. Um, so I think uh, consumer and corporate balance sheets are in good shape. And I think the economy generally uh, is on, is in solid footing here. So I think certainly growth's going to slow. You know, you're already seeing some data on consumers pairing back spending. But if we get into a, a point in time where you really start to see the Fed go on pause, inflation rates come down, I think the consumer will start to spend again. And looking out to 23, I think you actually could see a nice rebound year uh, for the economy and growth rates and relative, you know, economic indicators, whether it's, you know, manufacturing, employment numbers, consumer spending, you know, even the housing market in that environment, I think mortgage rates start to come back down. And of course, we're going through a little bit of a slowdown in the housing market. But I think all those things could come through relatively uh, strongly or rebound, you know, looking out to 2023, maybe, you know, the middle of 2023. Yeah, I guess I would summarize based on everything I'm hearing. I mean, investors are, are investing for, in many cases, one of two things, right? They're either investing for appreciation or cash flow, you know, kind of growth or income. And, you know, based on what I'm hearing, it seems like this is a fairly a fairly attractive opportunity for investors looking for cash flow slash income to live on to start locking up pretty attractive income streams that the market's providing. And for investors that are looking for growth, you know, slash appreciation that you could uh, start to, to wade in and maybe just dollar cost average your way in as we're doing, uh, for, at least for brand new clients. Uh, into this market and maybe even see potentially slightly better entry points ahead. But uh, to not get too cute about it, because even when we're looking at a year or two or three or longer term, these still look like reasonable entry points for for appreciation and, and growth assets. Would you say that's fairly true? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, yeah, definitely. I think on the income side, we're getting really good good yields today. And on the equity side, you know, equity investors should be more long term. And if you think over history, during the average recession, you know, the equity markets fall a little over 30%. We're two-thirds of the way there. You think about over time, and, and a recession's not a, a for sure thing, even though we're seeing, thinking that's more likely. You know, if you're investing in equities down 20% over time, you've done very, very well. And I don't think this time's going to be different in that regard. So, Jeff, I think you, you summed that up nicely. And, you know, you ask us bonus questions, so I thought I'd maybe throw one out there for you this time. Go ahead. You are, um, the, our office knows this. I think some of the listeners do as well from past podcasts, but you're in the midst of a, a fun Little League season, and I think you're in, in the Little League All-Stars, which is actually the year you can go to the World Series. So maybe give a, a quick update on that. I think it would be fun to, fun to hear. Yeah, so I've been coaching my son now. He's 12. Uh, it's been about eight years, and and he's been on the all-star team in, in our uh, Little League, wouldn't the Little League now, for the last uh, two seasons, actually really three if you go back to, to the year prior to COVID. But this is the season, yeah, that at the 12-year-old level, if you keep winning, you can end up in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, and play uh, for the Little League World Series on ESPN. And the way the Little League's broken up is, you know, it's in regions, right? So we're in the Pacific Northwest region, and then the region's broken up by states. Obviously, we're in the state of Washington. The state is broken up into districts, and there's 13 districts in the state of Washington, and then each district is broken up into various leagues. And so we're in District 8, uh, which represents 11 different little uh, little leagues in 
in kind of like the, the north end of Seattle around the top end of Lake Washington and, and Woodenville. And so we won it last year as 11 year olds. District eight went to state, ended up finishing third. And so our big goal this year uh, was to just hopefully repeat as district eight champions as 12, 12 year olds. And we did that uh, just a few days ago. So we're, we're now in the state tournament. We've been telling our kids we're kind of playing with house money at this point, but it would be obviously magical if we're able to go and and win a state championship at this level. And so we had our first two games over the weekend. Um, we, were, we were fortunate enough to win both. And, and in fact, yesterday, I think, in my opinion, knocked off the you know, what, what many would consider as the the number one seed. And so kids played fantastic. And now we're kind of in the final four in the winner's bracket. And if we win tomorrow night, we would play in the, then the play in game for like the winner goes to the state championship. It's a double elimination tournament. So even if you lose, you can still get your way back into it. But it's been such a, it's been such a magical ride. It's fun to see, at least in our area, Woodville, uh, Woodenville, that a lot of the businesses and, and community are really getting behind the team. And you see, you see, uh, you know, banners and, and stuff around town, uh, rooting the kids on a lot of chatter on these, like, you know, neighborhood Facebook pages where all the neighbors are, are rooting the kids on and stuff. And the kids have got a couple articles now in the local paper, the Woodenville weekly on just kind of the run that they're on. So it's been a really fun experience, uh, as, and, and with my involvement as, as being one of the assistant coaches on the team. So yeah, no, I appreciate you bringing that up. You know, it's, uh, this window we'll see we'll see how far it goes but it's already been kind of a dream dream ride for my son and i and we're really enjoying it so that is that's really cool jeff good luck we're rooting for you and good luck the rest of the way thanks buddy thanks for jumping on enjoy your time out in new york we'll get you on again okay jeff thank you evergreen gobcal is a wealth management firm with offices in bellevue washington portland oregon and california's bay area We provide investment management, tax compliance, family office, and retirement planning services. Evergreen is accepting applications for new clients who align with our firm's investment and planning approach. If you think you might be a fit with us, follow the link in the show notes to fill out our prospective client compatibility survey.